0: Good morning. Welcome to Monday morning, March the 21st in 2022 on When I Rise. Today we begin year C, the fourth Sunday of Lent, and on the Monday of the week, we'd like to take a look at the Old Testament passage, which lands in this week of passages from the Revised Common Lectionary and this week in the church calendar year. And so we find ourselves in a familiar spot, Joshua chapter 5, verses 9 through 12. So let me read that passage got a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise, meet God together in a time of prayer. Joshua chapter 5, verses 9 through 12. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I have taken away the disgrace of Egypt from you, so that place is called Gilgal even to this day. So the Israelites camped in Gilgal and celebrated the Passover in the evening of the 14th day of the month in the Rift Valley plains of Jericho. They ate some of the produce of the land the day after the Passover, including unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped appearing that the day they ate some of the produce of the land, the Israelites never ate manna again. They ate from the produce of the land of Canaan that year. This is the Word of God for us. One of the challenging themes of the Old Testament is when God marks out a people, the people of Israel, to be His unique people, uh, there's, I guess, room to celebrate there because God has drawn near to a group of people. But then there's all this room for... Uh, accusation and judgment uh, against this one people. So whenever they prosper, it seems to be a straight line. Israel prospers because God is with them. Uh, Whenever uh, Israel suffers, then there are a whole host of questions come in. Like, did they do something to forfeit uh, God's blessing and protection? Um, How good is God if uh, this one unique people of his is always harassed and helpless? Uh, They seem to be taken over by different enemies. They seem to be vulnerable as they are smashed in between all these different other people groups and they tend to be taken advantage of. And so um, is this God like a second-rate God or is there like a, another God who's like replaced this God as the most powerful one in the pantheon of gods, right? Like, so all of these different questions. And so here is this interesting piece of this story from the Old Testament community. They've just spent over four centuries in the land of Egypt as slaves. They weren't paid, they were oppressed, uh, they were prevented from flourishing, almost like they were forgotten, right? And so Moses appears, sorry, God appears to Moses uh, in the middle of the wilderness and he says, I've heard these people's cries after all this time and I wanna go do something about it. The struggle between Israel's God and the Egyptian gods goes on for some time in the first part of the book of Exodus. So finally they're out in the wilderness, but in the wilderness the people of God grumble against their God and they make a golden calf as a form of idolatry. And so they spend another 40 years circling around a mountain in the wilderness. And so finally here they are, they're going to to stop making left turns (laughs) like in a NASCAR race. They're actually going to go somewhere else. And they're going to go to the promised land. And a couple of critical things happen here. Number one, the provision of yesterday was not gonna be needed any longer. You'll notice in our passage that uh, the food, that the manna that was given to them daily uh, for them to be able to be nourished is gonna be gone. And now they're eating a different food. The the food, actually the produce from the promised land, right? So that's a a critical piece. But I think one of the the best things about this whole story is the very top of it, verse nine, where God says, I'm gonna remove the disgrace. I'm going to roll it away and this town is going to be called Gilgal uh, because it's going to be uh, said again and again, this is going to be the story that even though they, the people of God were locked up in Egypt for all these years, that God didn't forget about them, that he came down and he did something about it and he removed them. Um, He became the just God who measured back to Egypt, all that had done to God's people. And instead of forgetting the promise to Abraham, given several centuries beforehand. This God is going to make good on his promises. He's going to allow His people to come into the promised land. And so what a critical and crowning moment here at the beginning of Joshua. Before the great campaign uh, of stomping out the promised land and chasing off uh, the enemies of Israel and beginning to establish themselves as a commonwealth there. It starts with this identity piece, right? They're no longer going to be a people of disgrace but a people of honor. That's one of the critical pieces of salvation in Christ, um, is that disgrace is rolled away. Um, we are set free. Uh, the scripture tells us that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And a critical part of our salvation is a transformation of our identity. That we're no longer um, always uh, matched with the disgrace of our past, but it is rolled away, it is forgotten. And we get to become what Paul says in 2 Corinthians five seventeen. We become part of a new creation. We get to enjoy a new creation. We get to fellowship with one another as new creations. And we get to experience and embrace all the things that are new. The former ways are forgotten and God moves ahead. And I think this is an important part for us to dwell on during the season of Lent, really at any time in our Christian journey, is to understand and know and when we go under the water in baptism, whether through immersion in a tank or under the water that's sprinkled over us um, at the baptismal font, it's a symbolism that, that we vanish and we come back. And now we're covered in the life of God in Christ because of all that God has done through Christ, through the resurrection. And we went in the tomb with him and we came out. And because of that, we have a new lease on life. And so my brothers and sisters, I pray that you and I would embrace that new lease, that new identity, uh, the freedom from that disgrace from our past. We get to embrace a new day that's uh, opening up in front of us in the days ahead. So with that mind, let's spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, when we meditate upon the gift of Christ, we embrace this radical idea that who we are and what we identify as is not a people who have been forgotten, but a people who have been provided for. And we thank you that you provided for us salvation and life and community and task and, and vocation and mission. We thank you that we wake up today not with a big vacuum of what we should do next, but we have a great reality and we know of who we are, whose we are, and what we should do. As God, we thank you that this world springs up all around us, that the sun rises once again, that breath fills our lungs and all of it is a gift and as we go to school as we go to work as we engage in family life and an extracurricular life we know that all of it is gift And so God we embrace it as gift and we choose to love it as gift Uh, not to spurn it uh, not to feel obligated towards it uh, but in our freedom that the freedom that Christ gives us we embrace it with purpose and with hope so God this day I pray for us as we engage every life and every opportunity pray that it would be brimming with possibilities and that we'd see you draw near to us. We ask all these things in Jesus's name. Amen.